Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is David with Prep Consulting Co., joined with my co-host for the show and for all eternity, my beautiful Lisa. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to jump into some potentially dicey topics of food and nutrition, but don't worry. I have a smoking hot dietitian with me here, and we're going to cover five nutrients you don't want to overlook in your food storage, according to a dietitian. So, um... Lots of times when people talk about food storage, they talk about rice and beans and beans and rice for long-term food storage. And we've covered how not to do that and how to make your food storage more natural and self-rotating and appealing in previous episodes. So we're not going to dive into that specifically in this one. But beans and rice and rice and beans is good because it's a complete protein, but you're just missing out on so many other things. So without further ado, this is going to be mostly Lisa with me doing a little bit of backup here and there, and we'll turn the time over to her. All right. So we're not going to get into the hows of your diet, but just to give you a background of how we eat and a little bit of why is time and time again, studies have shown that eating lots of plants and having lots of diversity, so lots of different types of plants in your diet is optimal and that using animal products and sweeteners minimal, minimally are the hallmarks of a healthy diet. So we use animal products as a garnish or for a little bit of flavor, but a little really goes a long way on this. Um, this is well, like, for instance, really one of the only times in the whole year where a hunk of meat is part of the main course is probably, like, what? Thanksgiving and Christmas when we do turkey? Yeah, and a couple of times we might do pot roast. Or maybe, you know, like, some bratwurst once or twice during the summer. Okay, so maybe six times in the whole year is meat really the, the main, main entree. So you want to have to be the side. And a lot of people get really hung up on... Make sure you get your protein, have enough protein, but check this out. Five to six bites of meat is a serving. Okay. Five or six bites is about three ounces of meat. So you really don't need a lot of meat to be getting in a serving. And then that three ounces of meat, those five or six bites are about 25 grams of grams of protein. So five or six bites, 25 grams. How much do you need in a day? Most people only need about 50 to 60 grams a day. So you eat a few bites of meat and you are done for your protein needs for the day. And that doesn't count getting protein from dairy or from whole grains or from beans, which I think everyone should eat. And if you have some extreme needs, like you're having a baby or... Well, just sorry. I'm going to cut in real quick as we're talking about meat. Check out our previous episode, episode 11 of 10 Ways to Cut Spending Fast. Man, we could have dropped 11 ways to cut spending fast and say, cut back your meat eating because meat is so ridiculously expensive, right? You will if, save so much by switching so to plant much proteins. money. I mean, hundreds of dollars a month by not eating near as much beef. Of right when you're looking at cuts of beef that are on average what seven eight dollars a cut for the lesser cuts, man, that adds up fast. Sorry. Okay, back to the cute dietitian. So back to the meat. You're getting if if you have meat at two meals, you know, or if you just have a large amount of meat at one meal. I mean, do you usually eat more than five or six bites of meat at a meal? I don't know. Then you're getting all you need in a day just by eating a few bites of meat. And that doesn't take into account everything else that you're eating that has protein in it. 
And if you have extreme needs, you might need 80 to 100 grams a day, but most people do not need that much. So going sparingly is still going to be getting you everything you need. 10 bites of chicken is covering all your bases. So a little really goes a long way. Obviously, you need to balance your carbohydrate, protein, and fat intake, but most people in the first world countries do not have issues with getting enough of those things. There's probably more of an issue of getting too much of those things. And I'll be the first one, right? Hello, my name is David. Hello, David. And I have an addiction. I like carbs, especially especially Lisa's fresh sourdough bread. Don't be so worried about, okay, are we getting enough carbohydrates? Are we getting enough fat? If you're eating balanced meals, you probably are. Where this really becomes an issue is in third world countries where they eat the same food every day for weeks on end because that's all they have. And that gets really out of balance. But first world problems, not so much. This podcast is going to focus on just overlooked nutrients that I don't feel like I hear people talking about when they're talking about food storage, but that are really important and you don't want to let fall through the cracks. So the first one is fiber. This is huge. It's been previously overlooked and not as noticed, but now it's starting to get more focused because we're more interested in our microbiome, which is just the bacteria that live in and on our body. And we actually have more bacterial cells in our body than we do human cells. So you could argue that these bacteria make us us more than our human cells make us us because these bacteria interact with our body and affect our health for good or bad. What do these bacteria eat? The ones in our intestines eat fiber. And if you're not eating fiber, they're not getting fiber and you're going to be starving them, which is going to lead to bad things for you. The recommendations currently are that we get about 25 to 35 grams a day. However, I've seen some research suggesting that we need way more than that. Like they've looked at native tribes and they were eating 100 to 150 grams of fiber a day. And that just blows my mind. Yeah. It was not like an old Saturday Night Live commercial from the 80s called Colon, Colon Blast. Blast. No, this is, this is different. Okay. <laughs> But the sad thing is most Americans only eat 14 grams a day. They're getting maybe half of what they need. So that means we're starving our bacteria all the time. And then if you look at things like MREs or Mountain House Foods or just a lot of the stereotypical white rice, Stereotypical pasta, food storage food. It's not going to have fiber in it. it it's not going to get you beans. what you need. Okay, beans... Beans are great. I love beans. And the other thing with fiber is you can't just take a supplement and think that's going to cut it because you need to have diversity in the types of fiber you're getting. So you want to be getting lots of different plant-based foods in that are going to be full of fiber. And they also have phytonutrients, which just is a fancy word for meaning components in plants that do great things in our body. There's thousands of them. We've only touch the tip of the iceberg in researching those. So you need these phytonutrients and these different types of fiber from foods. So what are some examples of things or do you cover that later? That was the next part. Oh, well, look at me. <laughs> look at you. Speaking of transitions. <laughs> you want to just get a lot of variety in these different categories. For fiber, it's not so much specific foods, it's categories of food. So you want to be getting beans. You can do canned beans. You can do dried beans, lentils, 
whatever type of beans you want to do, get in a lot of different types. They are going to be high in protein if you're worried about that. And they're going to be really high in fiber and lots of other good things we'll talk about later. Also, whole grains are huge. Oatmeal, whole wheat, brown rice, quinoa, other grains like millet, buckwheat, spelt, anything like that is going to have more fiber than a refined counterpart. And usually they last a lot longer too, right? So having uh, wheat berries, well, no, I'm talking about like wheat berries, the whole grain versus having white flour in your food storage, right? So white flour, we've had it up to maybe a year and a half, two years, and any much longer than that, usually it goes rancid. A lot of people say shorter than that, but we've had it for that long and it hasn't gone rancid. However, wheat itself will last literally thousands of years if it's kept dry and out of sunlight. Our neighbor was telling us that he had some wheat from, I don't remember whose food storage, like somebody had died and it was food storage left over from them. The wheat was from 1958 and he was making bread with it. It was like, oh, that would be so cool to do an experiment, make breads with wheat from the 50s and from the 70s and all the bread. There's the dietitian researcher coming out. <laughs> Do you hear the smile in her voice? Another thing to add fiber is just freeze-dried produce. That was one of the first things that we splurged on before we had a freeze-dryer and on a good, I don't know, Black Friday sale or Black something. Black Friday sale. We got a bunch of freeze-dried produce, just like a big box of a bunch of number 10 cans of vegetables and one of fruit just to have it on hand because you want to have that fiber and you can also have canned produce that's going to have fiber nuts and seeds are something that i think get overlooked a little bit but those are going to have fiber in them as well so add in as much diversity in those categories as you can to get fiber the next nutrient is magnesium so this is super important for just hundreds of normal body functions that you don't even think about. Muscle contractions, heart rhythm is part of 300 different enzymes that help with protein production, blood sugar and blood pressure control, bone health, making DNA, giving you energy. So if you don't have enough magnesium to be functioning with these enzymes, you're going to have some negative side effects. This is also a nutrient that is more often a first world problem. Some foods that are richest in magnesium are amaranth, buckwheat, teft, and quinoa. And those might sound a little weird and crazy. And those are the ones that are just listed out as the highest. I do have to say, though, quinoa is amazing. And it's delicious. And you can put it in tons of different foods that we've done, whether it's Use it as a rice replacement. Yeah, rice replacement. Or even just add it to rice. Anyway, you can use quinoa for so many things and just add it in with recipes you already get. And it's not only delicious, but super nutritious. Yeah. And buckwheat is something that I like to throw into my granola. I have not done a lot with amaranth or teft, but a lot of people just eat it kind of like an oatmeal. Um, Another thing that's rich in magnesium are mashed potatoes, tomatoes, spinach, which you can freeze dry and add into different things, avocado, which you can freeze dry. Those are the foods that are going to give you the most magnesium. So if there's a way you can incorporate those into your food storage, that's going to be helpful. Pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, cashews, and sunflower seeds are the nuts and seeds that are the highest in magnesium. Then for beans, there's soybeans, lima beans, pink beans, and navy beans. So if you want to add some beans or add some 
magnesium to your food storage. Those are the foods you want to look at. And then for fruits, it's figs, apricots, prunes, peaches, and raspberries. So those are the top magnesium foods in each food group. So what I personally add is I try and add in a lot of different freeze-dried produce. We add hemp seeds and chia seeds, which we just throw into granola, throw into oatmeal, just add it on lots of different things. Having whole grains in general, you know, we do use buckwheat and quinoa. And then almonds is something that I personally like to add. And it didn't make the list, but one ounce of almonds has 20% of your daily needs. So almonds are packed with magnesium. And pumpkin seeds, one ounce has 37%. So throw some pumpkin seeds in your oatmeal, throw it in some granola. Pumpkin seeds are really going to boost the amount of magnesium. So don't overlook those things when you're planning your food storage. The next one is omega-3s. They are so important for brain health and their anti-inflammatory properties, and it makes them good for heart health. Foods that are rich in omega-3s are flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, and walnuts. Those are kind of the classic easy to put in your food storage foods that are going to give you omega-3s. We've already talked a little bit about hemp hearts and chia seeds and how we like to use those, but you can use flax seeds and chia seeds as an egg replacement for a lot of baking. And so then you can be adding omega-3s and making your recipe shelf stable. Um, Walnuts are just something that's easy to either throw in the freezer or vacuum seal them and just have to add once again to granola, to baked foods, make a trail mix, lots of different things you can do with walnuts. And then canola oil and soybean oil are going to be a little bit higher in omega-3s. So if you're getting an oil, maybe look for those. The next one is iron. This one is especially relevant for women of childbearing age. If you have people in that category in your household, you definitely want to keep an eye on this because this can be really tricky for women to keep their iron up. Foods to add This is once again, just listing the highest in each food group category. So for beans, soybeans are really high, kidney beans, black eyed peas, pink beans, white beans, pink and red lentils. For nuts and seeds, it's pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, cashews, coconut milk, which isn't, you know, coconut milk isn't a nut or seed, but it comes from a coconut. So we're going to group it in there. And then for grains, it's teft, amaranth, enriched flowers, whole wheat, quinoa, spelt, and oats. And if you were frantically trying to write this down, check out our blog post. We actually made a printable of this so you can have these nutrients listed out for you and the foods that contain the most of that nutrient in each food group. So check out that uh, free printable on our website, prepconsultingco.com, and it's under articles, and we will link it below also. And then I personally, to get iron, I just focus on adding in lots of beans and lentils. I don't focus too much on, you know, do I have enough soybeans? Do I have enough pink beans? I just try and get a lot of beans because they're all great for iron. Once again, we've already talked about pumpkin seeds. We also had sesame seeds. And also with the beans and trying to figure out which ones to get. um, The beans are so simple to use and a lot of different recipes and just so yummy, right? So hopefully, again, going back to the cute dietitian, what she said earlier is just eat lots of beans. Not only are they protein, they're fiber and a ton of other good things. They're super healthy for you and they're relatively inexpensive, right? If you get dried beans and they are super cheap, you can get them in a one pound bag, two pound bag, and we've started buying ours in the 25 pound bag and just putting them in a five gallon bucket. 
but super easy to use, super healthy and yummy. And for iron, this is one that I do recommend you just keep a supplement on hand. I know my husband's giving me a look because I very much dislike taking iron. Iron can do wacky things to your digestive system. So if you're going to have iron, you might as well have senna, a laxative to help. So there's other good ways of getting iron, right? We've been trying to do different things to help our iron. We've been cooking more on cast iron in the last year. We've talked about that in previous podcasts of upping your kitchen game with cast iron. Um, but yeah, definitely iron, right? Because, sorry, just to break it out again, I used to teach health, so I have no shame, right? Ladies, I'm sorry you have to go through this, but if you're bleeding for a week, you just need iron, okay? To help you feel better. It just helps you in so many ways. So iron. So have lots of iron-rich foods, have an iron supplement just as backup. And also an interesting study that recently came across my desk is that regular consumption of millet raised hemoglobin levels by 13.2% and serum ferritin by 54.7%. So basically, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm getting okay, there. because yeah, for us lowly not dietitians. I'm just staring the percentages because that <laughs> oh, like Oh, hemoglobin. Everyone wow. understands 13% and everyone understands <laughs> 54%, okay? Jeez. Basically, it increases the amount of iron in your blood by those percentages. Just oh, just appreciate that. Okay, that's a I lot. appreciate like, it. 55%. That's that's a lot. So, something about millet, they didn't go into what they thought, but something about millet was helping people get more iron into their system. So that's something we're going to be working on is adding more millet to our diet. The next is plant proteins. We've already hit on this a little bit, but they are so much cheaper and they are easier to keep shelf stable. So having plant proteins as part of your food storage is an awesome gem that I feel like people overlook. We've already talked about my love of beans. It is not exaggerated. We eat beans pretty much every day. We buy them by the 25-pound bag. We do a lot of beans around here. We do a lot of canned beans, too. The dry beans, actually, for us is relatively new. There's no shame in waiting till canned beans are on a good sale and buying them by the case, like 12, 24 at a time, and stacking them deep when they're cheap. And if you're intimidated by dry beans start with lentils they're a lot easier and they don't have the same intense cook time so lentils are a great option there it's going to be full of fiber and phytonutrients and just eating lots of plant proteins is associated with better health outcomes in many cases a lot of our chronic diseases in the united states are lifestyle related which i'm going to say it bluntly means we're doing it to ourselves so a lot of these lifestyle related diseases are actually improved by eating more plant protein and maybe cutting back a little bit on the animal protein. And I'm not saying you have to cut it out completely. I'm just saying we're a little out of balance. Another thing with that for everyone who's like, I need the protein, just saying Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was winning all these titles, went vegan. Okay. So you can get plenty of protein. There are so many other ways. Don't come with a lame argument. I love debate, but come with good arguments and be willing to listen. So some of the foods that are going to be highest in plant protein for you are soybeans, mung beans, lentils, kidney beans, and navy beans. 
You've also got pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, and pistachios. Hard red wheat is going to have a slightly higher protein content than white wheat. That's the difference between the hard and soft is the protein content. And the kamut, oats, amaranth, teft, spelts, some of those stranger sounding grains are going to have more protein. But oats and wheat, I mean, those are two staples. And spelts, not that crazy or that far off. So adding some wheat, oats, and spelt to your food storage. I like to add, as we've talked about, beans, lentils, and seeds. And then also those whole grains of wheat and wheat and oats. And just using those in lots of different recipes. And then last but not least is sweet treats and spices. Food should be an enjoyable experience. So add things to your food storage that are going to make food taste good. It's a must have for us. We have things for both sweet and savory occasions. We have two, is it two gallon or one gallon buckets of cocoa powder? We have two, two gallon buckets of cocoa powder. It's very important. So don't think just because the dietitian's talking that it's like you will eat, you know, freaking flour and water for the rest of your life. No, we definitely make cookies. We definitely make cake and pie. And oh my goodness, Thanksgiving's next week. I'm going to eat a lot of pie next week. But our brownies do have chia seeds in them, just saying. And, and they're whole wheat. And they're delicious, <laughs> right? Going back to Deliciously Ella's, where we got that recipe, if I remember so right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's just moderation. And as at least most Americans, we can cut way back and be fine, right? But eat delicious food. If your food isn't delicious, Man, it's not worth the calories. It's not worth the time. Like Lisa said, food is meant to be enjoyable. And if you're not enjoying your food, man, eat something else. And it doesn't even have to be expensive, right? For Lisa's sourdough bread is literally water and flour for the starter. And then you use that starter of water and flour to add more water and flour and a little bit of salt. And you have a round mound of heaven straight out of the oven. So you can have delicious and cheap. A loaf of bread is 60 cents. It doesn't have to be expensive, but enjoy what you're eating. Speaking of heaven and enjoying what you're eating, we also keep chocolate chips on hand, about 20 pounds. So yeah, wait till they're on sale at Costco. Go with a friend to Costco so you're not spending $100 or whatever on a Costco membership because every time you go to Costco, there's a minimum to leave the store, which is usually around $200 just to walk out. So we don't go very often. But yeah, wait till those chocolate chips are on sale. Buy it cheap. Stack them deep. Just throw them in the freezer. They'll last for years if your chocolate chips actually last that long. But yeah. Freeze them or put them in an air tight containers to make them last that long yeah so and just make sure that your toddler son doesn't go out in the garage and pull them out of the freezer in the middle of summer and then can't open the bag so he leaves them on the floor when your garage is almost 100 degrees and melts five pounds of chocolate because that's an experience we wouldn't want you to have but uh, yeah we don't know anything about it yeah so just Make sure your food is yummy. Don't don't beat yourself up over the food. Enjoy it in a healthy, good, and expensive way. And then just have spices on hand. We have a free printable spice checklist of 
spices that we consider our basic staples must have and then a couple that are just nice to have that we personally enjoy and we've got that free printable checklist for you we'll link it below it's also on our website prepconsultingco.com and little things like coconut so we don't eat a ton of dried coconut but when we do you know throw a little bit in a certain curry or throw a little bit in a granola it makes a huge difference it's a simple ingredient you don't need a lot of it or when i make the no-bake cookies we get coconut in it (laughs) (laughs) um artichokes and sun-dried tomatoes those are things that are kind of expensive so we don't have a lot of but sometimes just you know a little bit of sun-dried tomatoes and artichokes in a pasta with a little bit of pesto that's something that can be on hand we keep pesto in the freezer you've got pasta in food storage you keep a little can of artichokes and sun-dried tomatoes and you can make up something that is delicious Uh, and simple yeah salivating right now as i think about the pizzas we make with artichokes and dried tomatoes and all the yummy things she just listed all on a pizza with the pesto Mm. so make sure you have those little extras that just elevate a meal because they are so worth it and you're going to want to have them if you're eating your food storage and We've already talked about this, but we use our food storage just as an in-house grocery store. It's our little house pantry dream. And so if if you're going to be eating those things on a regular basis, you might as well have them in your food storage. And we're all about a simpler today for a better tomorrow. When you see all these news headlines about... um, You know, the supply chain shortages and shortages at the store and... uh, I've seen them a lot and experienced of the school that I teach at right now. They've stopped serving pizza just because they can't source the pizza, right? So when all these things are going on, you know what is so just therapeutic? Walking in our food storage room and looking around and being like, eh, we got this. So just start small, be nutritionally balanced, do a little at a time, keep building up, baby steps, don't kill yourself over this, just slow and simple, right? The tortoise and the hare. Just keep going, adding to your food storage a little at a time. And over time, man, you walk in there and it's just like doing a session of therapy. It's true. Especially when uh, everyone's losing their mind over toilet paper. Just saying. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) So a note on supplements before we end supplements are not an easy quick fix solution. A lot of people think, well, I'll just buy supplements and then I'll be fine. Or I'll just have supplements and then, you know, I'll eat this food and the supplements will make up the difference. Unfortunately, food, as simple as it may seem, is a lot more complicated than that. And nutrition, as much as people like to think we have it all figured out, is a very young science. It's only about 100 years old. And there is a lot we don't know. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. So, Having a bunch of supplements, that crazy guy in the news who's trying to sell his meal replacement shakes that is all you'll ever need, it's all a bunch of BS. Don't fall for it. Your body needs real food. It needs things in food that we probably don't even know are in the food. And talking about enjoying your food, you can go and have your meal replacement shake. I'm going to come over here and have... Lentil sloppy joes with some, you know, sweet potato fries and something yummy. (laughs) You you could keep your meal replacement shake. Thanks. Food should be enjoyable. Food should be real. 
So when you're making your food storage, try and have as much real whole foods as you can and cover those five nutrients and you will be off to a good start. And don't think you can cheat your way out with supplements. Uh, if you, <clears throat> that was a bad start. If you are interested in learning more about nutrition, if you really would just love to know what other foods are ranked as far as their magnesium content or something like that, there's a really awesome database we'll leave linked down below called myfooddata.com. And we've got the free printable that will list out these nutrients for you and the most common foods you can get them from. And then we also have our free printable spice list. And we can link down below for you the millet article from our real nutrition nerds who just want to read the article yeah, about the hemoglobin. Riveting. Oh my gosh, what is <laughs> wrong with you? Yeah, we're not all dietitians, even though I'm super glad I have even... one. Gosh, it's like the vintage jars. He just doesn't appreciate it. I appreciate it. They're <laughs> jars. I put food in them and I eat them and it's yummy. <sighs> Thank goodness. On that what happy note, check you? out our awesome jars on our Instagram account at Prep Consulting Co. They're really cool. We have more. And with this, so this should be releasing, I think, in early December. So, right, Christmas is coming up. Hanukkah is coming up. If it's not already, I forgot. I'm sorry, my Jewish brothers and sisters. But podcast number seven is preparedness gift ideas. And we also have a whole page on our website of preparedness gift ideas at prepconsultingco.com to check out. And uh, we thanks for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you. Please send us an email at david at prepconsultingco.com or reach out to us on Instagram. And we will look forward to spending time with you next week. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a good one.